we're live. What's going on, people? This is the Real to a Real Walk family, and we are back again with yet another episode. Come on, come on. Back again with the three individuals are back together. Well, we're back in the building. Another episode full of energy and character. Come on. Another episode where we bring you all of the sauce and juice. Come on. Another episode where E-Man drops some serious revelations. The Bible says. Another episode where Ore, our minister of relationship, is coming to heal somebody. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Back with myself, Gabs. Myself, Mr. Game Changer. And your girl, Ore. And we are the Real to a Real Walk family. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, however, where you're listening. Right, today we are going to be talking about purity culture. It's one of them topics, it's one of them areas. People be saying the church don't talk about sex. You lot know it grinds my gears all the time. So here we are, going to have another conversation about sex but and also this purity culture. One thing I put out there for me personally, my church didn't really talk to me, well, the church I grew up in, didn't really talk to me about sex. This whole purity culture was more or less a thing that I only came across online. Um, so I'm definitely intrigued to obviously dialogue with my brother and sister to actually understand and ascertain what this purity culture is, what it looks like, what it shouldn't look like, and how the church should talk about sex and what we can bring to the table. So here we are starting a conversation. So by the end of this episode, nobody should be saying the church don't talk about this, the church don't talk about that. Right, alright, Iman, what are your thoughts? Just a little foundation. What was your experience or thoughts on this whole purity culture growing up for you? Like? Hmm. <laughs> Iman, do you want to start? We're gonna start, um, we're gonna start let's start with Ore because yeah. <laughs> Ore did Ore did touch upon this purity culture a couple episodes ago, and I remember somebody messaged me saying, Oh my gosh. That little two minutes where Ori was talking about pure culture was so blah 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 blah, just gassing her up. So I think it might be good for Ori for you to get the ball rolling. Do I remember what I said? My gosh, my brain is fried. My child is not sleeping. <laughs> hmm. Um. Okay. So my experience of being taught about sex and relationships in church, and I think this is what I was saying actually on the last on that episode, was we were kind of told no shade to anyone because I don't know who's listening <laughs> we were kind of taught um basically not to date until a certain age and that if we were to date to sort of date in groups or to remain accountable so if you are going to be in a relationship sort of kind of let mentors or certain people in church know and kind of carry people along the, the relationship with you so that you weren't trying to make things work on your own which is kind of good advice but it well, I mean, the, the whole accountability aspect of it, I do think is good advice. But the group dating and that kind of um, thing, I, I just think is, is impactful. And I think it can kind of contribute negatively to dating experiences. We were also kind of taught, so, oh, this is going to sound so shady. This is not shady to anyone. So our youth leaders, the, the church I grew up in, and the people who were youth leaders at the time when I was um, a youth, basically dated for about five years and didn't have sex and I don't even think they kissed um until wedding day so anytime um purity was preached it was kind of preached from this perspective of you know both me and my wife and they had their reasons just to clarify like, I think they both obviously it's not really my story to tell but I'm not mentioning any names so I'll just kind of and it's public knowledge. They had both basically been in the world. And um, when I say in the world, they hadn't been saved. They got, they got saved as adults. So um, obviously when you get saved as an adult, you're sort of living your life. So neither of them were virgins. They probably had a few sexual partners. I don't know how many, so I'm not going to be like multiple to make them sound bad. But obviously they came into the relationship as not virgins and having had previous sexual partners and sexual experience. So I think from that perspective, they sort of both knew kind of where sex outside of marriage can lead and what what can happen so they met each other and dated for five years n- never so much as looked at each other and so whenever this was preached to us, kind of was thought like you know don't even don't even hold hands don't even I don't know it was the way that um relationships was kind of looked at in the in the church that I grew up in from my perspective because everybody has different um perspectives and people live the same experience differently 
I'm putting loads of caveats in here because I don't want anyone messaging me and <laughs> and talking. But yeah, so from my perspective, the way it was relationships and sex were kind of preached to us was don't even look at each other. If you're going to get in a relationship, make sure everyone knows, go out in couples, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so because of this, I think a lot of people sort of um, grew up with all of these sexual feelings and they never said that sex was bad. I just want to clarify that. They never ever said sex before marriage was, well, obviously they said it was sinful, but they never kind of said that it was bad, but they just kind of said it it was for marriage and it was a beautiful thing to do in marriage. But because of obviously preaching from their own, I think when you preach from a story perspective, so when you use your experience as the um, as the crux of your message and not necessarily give practical tips and not necessarily look at the Bible and why it says what it says, it can be, it can lead to all sorts of problems, which is then what we have now, where people who were in relationships would either, would either try and hide it because they didn't want the church to know because you don't really, you don't necessarily want youth leaders all up in your business when you're that age. You don't want people knowing who you were with. Or if they didn't hide it, um, when they did, when when they had sexual feelings, they would sort of suppress it. And that led to lots of things happening in the dark simply because there just wasn't you didn't really feel like there was a safe enough space to talk about it because you were told you either have to do this thing in in front of everybody or don't do it at all and so when I'm talking about purity culture when I personally talk about purity culture I talk that's what I mean I mean individuals who use their stories as the um pinnacle of purity culture individuals who kind of teach um all about group dating and accountability and they often forget that when you're a youth or an adult once you're any age past puberty obviously sexual attraction is normal to an extent and sexual attraction is growing and it's also not very practical especially I think that was all fun and games when you're dating and you're 16 17 I mean how many people end up in relationships and 16 and 17 that lead to marriage but now that everybody's sort of in their 20s and 30s and beyond it's just not practical to tell two people who have busy lifestyles to go on a date in the group so that's kind of what I'm referring to and, and those are the problems that you see when culture is preached above the word I hear that uh, but for yourself email what was it like for you um I can't say um it was bad um, per se. Um, the purity culture thing, I came to know about it when I was at uni um, because the the church that I was, they used to do a fellowship in the middle of the week and um, their leaders at the time uh, were very big on it. Um, and the lady... The, they were a couple, they were husband and wife and the lady um, recommended this book, was recommending this book to um, a lot of the, you know, the ladies on campus called I Kiss Dating ah, Goodbye. I was coming. We have to talk about that. Continue. Yeah. By Josh Harris. Yeah. Harris, sorry. I Kiss Dating Goodbye. So basically, that was the book where you see the word courting, why the word courting is popular is because it it was, you know, um, it was bigged up in this book and it came out in the 90s, I think 93 or 94. So, yeah, so basically this guy is promoting that, you know, dating is not scriptural, that it's kind of like caught in, obviously, you know, from a, like a Jewish perspective, you know, women were betrothed, families agreed um, with each other. Uh, the lady was betrothed to a man and they kind of waited until the, the, the necessary time until the, the the marriage was formalized and they did the ceremonies, the religious ceremonies and stuff like that. So that was kind of his premise. And he tried, obviously he's using that as his biblical premise to say that, look, dating is wrong. It leads to a lot of things. Um, it's a worldly, it's a very worldly concept and stuff like that. Um, so we should kind of go to court and that's going to be the principle. So when I, at that fellowship, that was that was what they were very big on. And their story was very Hollywood, how they met, how they got together, um, you know, their, jer- their relationship journey. They didn't kiss. I think they only held hands. They only did dates with, it's a bit cringe, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, they did it with um, the senior pastors who was who were the parents of the lady. Um, and 
yeah, I just found that a bit cringe. I was like, okay, right, that, that's you. That's that's cool. I'm not I'm not into all that stuff. But there were also out of that purity culture, what we know as purity culture, there was things like purity rings and other like items as well. Um, mm. that would yeah, purity balls and stuff like that. And pledges, purity pledges as well. Purity pledges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a whole. It was a whole big thing. It was a big. Co- so when they're saying culture, it's not just words and you know certain actions. It was a whole thing. Like yeah, these purity rings, purity pledges. Do you know? I think that's probably where what I um, want to understand as well. Like, what does this purity culture look like? Because obviously, I grew up in a in an African church, in it, and I don't they and I think me and Ora touched upon this uh, recently. Yeah, I didn't really hear purity culture. So, yeah. who, who created this term purity culture? Like, where did it come from? Was it one youth group that just started talking about it, or did it come from America? And what does this purity culture consist of? I think it came from America. So um, I actually completely forgot about that book that Iman was talking about. Yeah, that book, I think when it came out, because of what he, it it blew, obviously, and because of what um, he was sort of, the agenda that he was pushing, which as Iman explained, sort of dating in groups, not, he even talks about not even really dating anyone. So it was kind of like, he just had this one, one woman met her and she became his wife. So not really kind of, getting to know different people it was just sort of like in isolation and i think i definitely think it came from america especially like they because in america it's really big they have like purity balls and you know girls and their dads and they pledge virginity it's, it's really um it's a massive thing out there i remember a couple of years ago on the shade room this preacher's daughter went viral because she gave her dad a certificate of purity on the day that she got married so she said that she went to the doctor to check her hymen was still intact and so based on that, the doctor confirmed that her hymen was still intact the day before she got married. And based on that, she created a certificate and gave it to her dad on her wedding day to basically prove that she was still a virgin when she got married. So I And I've never heard anyone in the UK do something like that. So I definitely think this whole thing came from America. No, that's, yeah, you're, you're right. What I would say, that book that I said, um, Gabs, that was the book that kind of began what we know that book was a best-selling book in the Christian um, space. So what I was describing, I think that was the beginning of purity culture, but it wasn't called purity culture per se. Purity culture came down later down the line, but yeah, it's the concept that, like I said, uh, no to dating, yes to courting. So no, no to many people, yes to one person, and committing to that person for the rest of your life sort of thing. So the, you, the only person that you are dating is the person that you're going to marry, basically. That's the principle in general. Then there's no kissing. There's no, you know, in some so cases. Pu- so purity culture says no kissing. Yeah. Oh, no okay, kissing. Okay. No, no sex, no nothing. Like, you're pledging to do these things. So some couples even who, went as who, far as... Who, who are you pledging to? Are you pledging to God or your church? No, so it's not even your church per se. Like, you're pledging to the person. Um, as Ora said, in some cases, it was to families. So you're letting your family know that this is what you're committing to um, in your Christian journey, that you're going to remain celibate and you're not going to... Um, yeah, you're not going to have sex. You're not going to engage in any kissing. Um, you're not wow. going to engage in any yeah any funny business. That's and literally what you're doing. So those are those are all uh, like principles, and then obviously there's things like you mentioned about like rings and all these other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you wearing that purity ring was a sign to people, more so in America. Purity culture wasn't as big in the UK until maybe the early 2010s, like 10, 2012, when um, Heather Lindsay was come was oh. blowing up in the UK. And um, like a lot of ladies started listening to Heather Lindsay and her story with her husband and stuff. That's when it really started popping off more. So yeah, like that's yeah, those were kind of like the timescales. It hit the UK, but it started off in a, in America, and it was it was very big in America. Mm. So with this purity culture, yeah, is this is this something that was taught? As in, like, pastors, ministers will teach us, or is it something that we, and when I say we, I mean, like, the body of Christ, that we just took the mantle and ran with? I personally, and it's kind of what I was alluding to earlier, I think, I don't think it was taught. I think individuals pushed their stories and their narratives, 
and people ran with it because some people thought it was it was good which is which is fine but it then became a movement and a culture in and of itself i don't think it's it's not it wasn't like took biblical principles and said because the bible says no sex before marriage like this is how the bible talks i think people just um took their own individual stories based on that what they what was right for them to prevent them from having sex before marriage or so, so do you mean um, like do you mean like Christian leaders or Christian influencers, open quote, close quote, coming out saying, "Me and my partner, we wear purity rings because this is what it means for us." Like Iman said, let's say Joshua Harris, his story went viral. I told you about my youth leaders and them using their story as a kind of pinnacle for um what they would preach. And then Heather Lindsay, even before Heather Lindsay, I think Juanita Bynum kind of pioneered a little bit of that movement as well. Um, so I think a lot of individuals were at the forefront of this culture. And I think that's where um, people started to take their story. Heather Lindsay has a lot of crimes to answer for in terms of in this UK, as far as mm. I'm concerned. That's another story for another day. Yeah, that's that's definitely another story. I think it's a bit of both. So with this um, Josh Harris guy, Harris guy, I think this book became a blueprint for a lot of um, youth leaders, youth pastors, uh, senior pastors at churches, um, in their doctrine about relationships and stuff like that. I think that this book really shaped a generate. That's why we call it, pu- that's why up now it's called Purity Culture because it was so very, it was very big. It was prevalent in the church. And even before we had from, not even from a church perspective because influencer culture didn't start in church, but even before, even sorry, even before there was influencer culture, this thing was still prevalent. And it was because loads of preachers were preaching it. At the same time, yeah, there were couples that were talking about their story, especially like in the in the rise of YouTube and um, when um, couples used to go on YouTube and share their stories. This was even before like Instagram was popping. Like people, couples would go on YouTube and share their story and be doing up, you know, YouTube advice. This was the, those were some of the funnels. So yes, I can agree that there were individuals who were popular that were kind of spewing this rhetoric. But at the same time, there were a lot of church leaders who were also using this, this, this book, and the principles from that um, to to push the cult, uh, this culture, which we now or which was later coined as purity culture. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> um, man said, "Amen." You know what I hear? That you know what I hear? That I think it's very, very interesting. Because obviously, for someone like myself, like this is very, very different, boy. I understand it. I definitely do understand it. But I think it's definitely interesting that these people are in America, yet the UK have completely ran with it. I think if it was people in America like Bishop T.D. Jakes or your Eddie Longs, for example, R.I.P., or your Mars Monroe, R.I.P., if it was leaders like that, then I can understand. I would hear it. But Heather Lindsay and, and these other people, I'm thinking, Cole Blimey, these not that influential over the UK that, you know, we've we've run with this this culture. Do you know what I mean? And on top of that, a lot of people, when when talking about period culture, a lot of people blame their churches. Like, they blame their pastors, which is which what makes me think is that pastors have been teaching this on the pulpit. Because I've never... This is the first time I'm hearing people blame Heather Lindsay. And I can't remember. Who's this Harris gentleman or this Harris woman? The guy who wrote, I kissed, I kissed dating goodbye. Yeah, so this is the first time I'm obviously hearing that individual's name. Um, in relation to purity culture. Like, when I hear some of these young people talk about the purity culture, it's always the church, the church, the church. It's never... Um, no, there's no names that's ever been dropped. So it's kind of interesting how, like, we've adopted this thing from Americans, but yet people easily pass blame on the church. Oh, the church, we don't hear about this from the church. Oh, the church yeah. gave us a wrong... Um, perception of what sex is gave us a wrong perception of purity culture and that sort of stuff so yeah i definitely find that interesting but a lot of churches well youth groups like pushed kind of those principles based on it might not have necessarily been based on the book but i do think a lot of churches did push those principles of group dating and you know courting and only really dating one person previously before pre-Heather Lindsay and maybe not necessarily pre-Joshua Harris but I do think youth groups and youth leaders push that narrative as well which is why people say what they're saying no that you see that courting and group dating that narrative actually came from the book so even if people weren't aware 
maybe they heard it from someone that heard it from someone that heard it from someone. That group dating stuff, it came from that book, Joshua Harris. That's why I was saying, like, I used the example of, you know, the leaders of the campus fellowship that I used to be a part of. They they did it with they did it with like adults and they uh that were doing it under the name of being chaperones. So it's kind of like but to, to your point about, you know, Americans pushing it and you know UK receiving it, that's that's life in nearly every single area of 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 human life. Yeah, they say if um if America cops UK sneezes or something like that, or if US sneezes um US sneezes in UK coughs, it's just the natural effect, especially in the church world as well, where a lot of preachers, you know, that have had a lot of influence on church culture and maybe the last hundred years in the UK or let's say 80, 60 to 80 years, they have been American preachers. They have, it has been American Christianity. But then I would say at the same time that depending on what the denomination is or, you know, the, the space or niche that you're in within Christianity, it would, that would kind of reveal what your views on relationships are. So for example, in the nineties and the early two thousands, like TD Jakes was very big on his relationship bag. Like he, his relationship bag was very serious. That's why if you check out his, his content on biblical manhood, being a man, um, being a Christian woman, same with Miles Monroe, um, God's purpose for a man, God's purpose for a woman, God's purpose for family. All of those guys, like they had those things out there. But this purity culture one was very unique because it kind of filtered through the CCM culture that is the contemporary Christian. Well, let me not say CCM, but the contemporary Christian culture, CCC, that uh, obviously it was like, you know, these white preachers who were very contemporary coming through their, 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 they look like the culture, they sound like the culture, and that's why it was being received a lot more because it made sense to a lot of people. So a lot of like charismatic and non-denominational churches, even reformed churches picked it up as well, and some Anglican churches, they picked mm-hmm. up on this culture, and it's just been something that has been, you know, has gone, has become part of the woodwork. But might I add, I think one of the reasons why now we're talking about it more and the notion that you're talking about before people complaining and saying, Oh, uh, the church has done X, Y, and Z. No. Cause when you say the church is too, it's such a broad stroke. Your denomination says a lot of shout. Your community says a lot of shout, uh, says a lot of, in this conversation. Your um, who you listen to the type of voices, like Christian voices you listen to have a big say, because you could probably go to Mexico and uh, ch- like Christians in Mexico and talk about purity culture. And they'll probably look at you and think, what on earth are you talking about? So it's not, we shouldn't just be quick to say, oh, the church. I understand you might be talking about your local church or the, your local church community and the type of people, the type of Christian spaces you're in, but that's not the the mark for everyone. But, and I'm going around in circles, the final point I'm going to make is, yeah, why I've, why there was, why there's been a lot of uproar in the past few years about purity culture is because I can't remember how many years ago. I think it was like maybe three, four years ago, maybe five, where Josh Harris came out to say he doesn't believe in that book. Everything he wrote in that book is trash. Um, (laughs) Oh, do you know, I think I've heard about this, actually. Yeah, so he came out to say this thing is nonsense. But the thing is, you've just influenced one or two generations of Christians in how they date in how they teach, whatever, and then man just comes out to say, yeah, it's rubbish. I get we have realizations in our Christianity, but man just did a mazza and just said, yeah, I'm bouncing, and furthermore, he's also not a Christian as well now, so yeah. Is that why he he, um, denounced everything, because he's no longer a Christian? Well, I think probably before he had started to realize the impact, because I think he was, like, backing down on some of his comments before he officially came out and said, like, yeah rubbish yeah and he him and his wife are no longer together he denounced the faith he's no longer a christian so you know it's yeah just that's 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 what is making a lot of that's what should make a lot of people's head really hot because i get it like for him okay cool that you're not a christian anymore you've come to the point of realization but one that was a best-selling book 
Two, you've chopped millions from that book. Three, like like I said, one, two generations were running with a lot of the rhetorics that you're pushing and I think has contributed to part of why certain spaces within Christianity have a warped view of relationships, of marriage, of sex, of dating, of courting. And I think that's why now, even though the world already has a warped view on relationships and stuff like that, because of the so many ideas that people spew out on the internet, some is like half truths and half lies, or we'll take a bit of, you know, what Josh Harris put in his book, and then we'll mix it with some new stuff, and it just confuses the whole set. So now when Christians are doing or having conversations about relationships and dating and stuff like that, why do you think there's so much arguments? Why do you think that there's so much division? Why do you think there's so much of, well, this is why I don't rate the church. The church has done X, Y, Z. And it's like, guys, like, before we jump to the extreme answers, let's think that there's certain people, there's certain rhetorics that have been damaging and not necessarily the church at large. That's my personal opinion on this thing. That's good. You know what? It's good that we've given some sort of context and background, yeah? So let's obviously move forward in terms of looking at what period culture should be. If we can reshape period culture here today between the three of us, what should this period culture look like? That's one question. Actually, let's, <laughs> let's just stay there. What does period culture look like? And my other question, which is similar, is when, when people say the church don't talk about sex, what is it that they want to know? Like, what is it people want to know? about sex that they say the church don't talk about? Like, what do you want to hear? What do you want us to talk about? Do you know what I mean? What do they want people to discuss? What do they want to hear from their pastor? What do they want to hear from their mentors? What do they want to hear from their friends when people say the church don't talk about this or the church is uncomfortable having conversations about sex? Like, what conversations do you want to have? Yeah, that's, that's for Ora to answer still. Ema <laughs> <laughs> said, pivot! <laughs> Because when, when they're saying, oh, the church, we don't talk about sex, you know, and I want to know what exactly. Like, do you want us to talk about porn? Do you want us to talk about, you know? Yeah, badly. Like, what what, what exactly? Uh, do you want Christian porn? Like, oh, my days. What exactly do you guys want? Like, when it, when you're saying sex, is it like you want us to be having sex education classes at church? Like, what do you want? I don't, that that's, like, I understand for some, what they're trying to get at, like, they were, like, for some, it was kind bro, of like I can't me. lie, bro. I, I don't get it, bro. I don't get it. Let me not lie to you. I don't I, get it. I mean, I think it's different for men and, than it is for women. And I'll tell Say you that again. I, I can't hear you. So, can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like when pur- the purity culture narrative is pushed, I do feel like women tend to suffer the most from the narrative. Because what happens is women are told, oh, keep yourself, don't have sex before marriage, make sure your hymen is still intact. And also, like I, I say often, when um, when people fall into sexual sin, often it's the woman that's victimised and not the man. Men, if a man is having sex, you wouldn't, you can't really see it. With women, obviously, you know, you know, people, I just think that when it comes to this thing, women miss out the most they're the ones wearing purity rings guys weren't wearing purity rings so obviously when you stumble as a woman and you, you've kind of grown up under this 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 blanket of purity culture it can it can be very very damaging so i think when people say the church doesn't talk about these kind of things enough if i'm speaking from a woman's perspective i just think that maybe they want to hear a bit more balanced teaching not necessarily teaching focused on making women better wives, telling women to keep themselves so that they make a good wife. We need to be hearing, we need to be teaching the men, the brothers, how to be good husbands. We need to be teaching the brothers. But is that, is that purity culture, though, Ore? Teaching men how to be husbands, is that purity culture? Because man, them get, man them are getting at our men's conferences. Yeah, but it comes under the same umbrella. The reason I say it comes under the same umbrella is because a lot of this period, especially, for example, to go back to like, people like Heather Lindsay in particular, when she's, not only is she perpetuating the whole purity, like don't have sex before marriage, but they also often talk about what makes a good woman, what what they think makes a good woman, what makes a good wife, etc., etc., etc. Even like women are, are taught to, you know, sort well, some women sometimes it's like be a stay at home mom, be a stay be a stay at home, just you know, live your life like this perfect good Christian girl, and you end up with an amazing husband and an amazing family and mind blowing sex, and also. Do we really do we really feel like men are not getting this men are not getting trained at all? 
Like, no, do I, women really think this? I just also, I also think what happens is when you're also pushing this again, this this purity culture in the way that we've discussed it, you're then left with this gap of okay, even if you have you have kept yourself and you get married and you are a virgin, you're left with this gap of okay, so what do I do now? All this, all my life, all up until this point, I've been taught, you know, dating groups, do this, do that, don't kiss, so that I don't end up having sex. And now it's your wedding day or, you know, you're a year into marriage and you don't know what to do. You don't know practically how, what you should be doing, how, what, how, how to have sex. Like, no, seriously, I know it sounds funny, but and I'm, this is a very, obviously that's a very, very extreme example. No, but, no, it's true. I agree. This is why married couples are having meaty sex. I agree with you. That's the honest truth. Right. No, no, it's very, very true. So, I think when people are saying these kind of things, they kind of just want a bridging of the gap between okay, don't have sex until you're married, and okay, what happens now that we've now that I'm married and we're having sex? So, what does what does this balance look like though for men and women? Let's not make it um specific to a gender unless we have to. If we can make it uh universal, or if we can make it um not so much about gender. If we have to sec- if we have to separate them by all means do so. But what does this balance look like? I feel like people should be taught the Bible says when the Bible talks about um sexual immorality, it's not just about sex in marriage, it's about so many other things. That scripture uh, the scripture's talking about sexual immorality. It's not just about waiting until you waiting until you're married to have sex. It's also about being married and being faithful to your partner. It's also about not having multiple sexual partners. It's also about, you know, not necessarily like it's also about prostitution and, and it's also about um, all, all other kinds of stuff that we won't go into. Um so I think if we start from a biblical approach, that's literally all that scripture is talking about. Everything else, dialing it back, is just what society has created because we think that's the best way to get you to the path of not having sex before marriage. But, but on that, yeah, on that, if that's what if that's what it is, the first part you just said, the issue might be a lack of revelation of the scripture or a lack of biblical knowledge. Well, I, well this is why I was saying earlier on about this whole purity culture thing stems from a lack of, I think it's exegesis. I think that's the right one I'm looking for. <laughs> because what's happening is that people have been pushing their own personal stories. That's why we're talking about the Joshua Harris's, the Miles Monroe's, the Heather Lindsay's, because all of this purity culture is is individuals' narratives that people have heard and thought, actually, that yeah, that does make sense. But that's not biblical. So when so, so we need to start by teaching sexual purity purely from a biblical perspective. And let's not include lots of different narratives and this is what I did and this is what Labaja did and XYZ. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying, yeah, you you genuinely think if the church start preaching about, or if the church start looking at it holistically and not just talking about you know penetration before marriage, but looking at all the other aspects like mm-hmm. cheating and that sort of stuff, you think the um, people will be happy with how the church is communicating about sex? Um, I I know because you can never please everyone, but I think. I'm, I'm because not, you could go on TL, you could just go on Twitter, and you see people talking yeah. about cheating. Mm-hmm. But that's why, also, you know, as I say, like as 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 the world adapts, the church also needs to adapt. So now we're in an age and a generation where information about sex is very, very accessible. So I personally think it's for the church to kind of go out there and get that narrative. It's the same way, like if you're a parent and you're raising a child, information about everything is very, very accessible. But what what some parents try to do is. To, to start that narrative in the house so that those conversations are had before the child goes out and sees something elsewhere. Because if you learn something in the house, you're more likely to want to come and ask those questions versus when you go outside and you learn something, you, you lose control of the narrative. So no, I, do, I, I do agree with that concept. I completely agree with that concept here. The only thing I disagree with is I genuinely do believe that the church is talking about adultery, cheating, and all of that sort of stuff. I, I genuinely do believe that the church is talking about more than just sex before marriage. No, the deeper lives and the redeems, some of them, and this is not the name and shame or anything, but if you come from a, a background that's very old school, traditional, in like those churches where women are not wearing trousers and they're not wearing makeup and they're not mm-hmm. wearing earrings, those kind of churches probably aren't teaching about that. You don't think they're teaching about adultery? Well, they're teaching about, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's all fire and cheating. It's, there's no practical teaching like beyond oh like it's, it's not really moving with the time oh it's not practical okay okay so what's the practical give us a practical because I'm, I'm not understanding this one 
The thing is, yeah, I have not gone to Bible school. I'm not a minister. I don't know the problems that ministers face, etc., etc. So, I mean, for me, it's all going to be very much opinion. It's not going to be, I don't have the background and the training necessarily. So, I feel like I'm not necessarily qualified to be telling churches how they should be preaching and what they should be preaching. No, no, remember, it's not it's not how the church should teach. It's more so what do you think the people want to hear when I they say the church don't talk about sex? I do think people want to hear, like I'm saying, like, because information on sex is so accessible. You have a lonely making threads about how to please a man, etc. Et this so is it. Because that information is so accessible, I do think that it would help if the church kind of got a foot in on that narrative and... and and was teaching more holistically about stages in life. So from from singleness to dating and then, you know, to marriage and marital sex and even pre even pre-marriage. Like I'm always saying, puber- once you hit puberty and your body starts doing things, this is not this is not even just from an adult perspective, even for children. Like I do honestly, and this is why you do sex, that's this is why schools like, will teach children sex education because they know that at that age, that's when puberty kicks in and people want to explore. So it's better for them to teach them in the school before they go out and start doing all sorts of, of madness. I, I feel like we're getting somewhere now. I feel yeah. like we're getting somewhere. I think this I'm starting to agree with where you're going now. I'll be so real. I think Christians want us to do sex education. That's what I think they want. I think you have a point there, you know. I do think that Because the pastors have been talking about relationships. I'm even tired of Christians tweeting and talking about relationships. We get it all the time. People do... (laughs) How many relationship conferences... I'm annoyed. How many relationship conferences have we attended in the last 15 years, bro? I agree. wholeheartedly. From Kunle we'll be doing conference every single week with our film. We were all there. <laughs> Action Jackson will be doing relationship conference. We were all there. Pastor G will be doing relationship. We were there every week. Every week we were there. It's very so I think to say to say that the church is not like we're not covering relationships. I think that's that would be a reach. Not saying that's that's what you're saying, but I think that would be a reach because the church. They yeah, no, have. I know. The church has been talking about relationship from single ah, you single season. Embrace your single season. I've heard it all, fam. All the way through to marriage. Marriage. I think I've heard it all. But when it comes to sex, I think that is in itself is its own entity. I don't even think people want to hear about relationships. They do, but I think when it comes to sex, I feel like that's a, its own, it's in its own industry. And I genuinely think people want to hear sex education. Because you made a good point about Aloni. I, I think, think if, benefits if, from sex education. I, 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 I'm, almost, I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. Yeah. You mentioned Aloni, which is a good one. I think if there were Christian alternatives to Aloni, that individual will blow within two months. Because what Aloni is doing for the people there... Isn't there, though, Gabs? Gabs, isn't there, though? Isn't there, though? Not that I'm aware of. Not doing what Aloni is doing. (laughs) They might be doing it, but it's not on the scale of Aloni. Or maybe they don't have the personality that Aloni has. Okay, I hear that. I hear you. I hear you. The techniques, some of the techniques that Aloni employs to now be where she is today, it's very sensationalist. So, you know, when she's like, ladies, let's have some fun. Those kind of things. And the stories that people tell there are wild. Realistically, no Christian person, I mean, no Christian therapist or sex educator is going to come on here and say, ladies, send me your wild, salacious stories. Because, you know, there's just no filter. I think things need to be done with a certain level of order, especially in the church. Like, I'm not advocating that we have Christian or lonies out here come on. have some fun because preach. Right. <laughs> preach. Somebody was, somebody was getting ideas, didn't it? I know someone listening was getting ideas. Trust yeah, me. I hear saying, you know, we need to have Christian, but let's be honest. Like, what? Like, Please, let, I didn't say we need to have Christian you know and lonely. I said, if there was. Yeah, but if, I'm saying there's never going to be because it's, that's just not, like I was saying. Not according to E-Man. E-Man's, E-Man's alluding to the fact that there is. His question no, suggests that there are out there already. No, yeah. what E-Man is trying to say, I think, is that there, like, you know, there, are, there are Christian people who are like, you know, sex therapists who can come in and they can help you on that kind of thing. But they're obviously not going to employ salacious tactics the way Ohlone does and put it, you know, those kind of things, there has to be order. There has to be a place for that because... Ultimately, as we've said, we know what the Bible teaches on sex before marriage and sex outside of marriage. So therefore, you have to be very delicate with the way that you you kind of teach on sex as a Christian because you can't just be, you know, causing lots of people to stumble. So there has to be checks and balances in place for things like that to take place. But I do think 
those people that are saying the church isn't talking about sex, I do think there is a place for the church to be, to be a bit more, to, I do think maybe let's call it sex education. I do think there is a place for that in the church. I do. I agree. I agree. And um, when we say church, it doesn't necessarily mean the building, but I definitely do agree. What's your thoughts on the E-man? Um, when people say the church don't talk about sex, what do you yeah. think the people want to hear? Uh, that's what I'm saying. I, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, do you want us to be doing XXU classes or at triple X classes in church before you're happy? And then you say, ah, my pastor talks about sex. Like, you know, Sunday's exhortations is not really meant to be about positions and what you should be doing and how you should be stroking somebody. That's just the honest truth. So the reality is not the strokes. Ah, <laughs> so the honest truth is that would you, what exactly do you want to know? Do you want us to address what, how Christians should, we can't fully teach how to navigate dating per se, because I feel like dating is a never ending thing. Like, do you want us to talk about whether Christians should be on Hinge or they should be on Christian dating or org? That, those stuff are not really as relevant. I think what um, leaders should do from a, ch a church leadership perspective is kind of give you the tools in terms of, um, in terms of how you navigate those spaces. So your your character, your discipline, if you do use Hinge, then you shouldn't be, you know, when you're DMing ladies, you shouldn't be talking about the size of your piece or whatever. You shouldn't be talking about, uh, you know, um, if you met them, would you, if, if I met you on the first day, you know, I want to put my tongue down your throat. Like, definitely doing that. And they do that. And, that's, and so for me, a Christian leader's response should be, if you are going in those spaces, let your character be done. Let let your character reflect the person that you proclaim or profess to believe. So if you're a Christ-like believer, it doesn't mean you need to be a neek. But what it does mean is that you, you approach women with respect when you're using Hinge. Or in real life, when you meet someone at a shindig and you want to chat to them, move to them with respect. Be honorable. Be Christ-like in your approach. Doesn't mean you lose your vim. It doesn't mean you lose, you know, your your charismatic character. All it just means is that there's a way as a Christian that you should learn how to navigate those things. If it's in regards to sex and marriage, then that should be in your in your premarital classes. The church, like a Sunday service and Bible study, it's not sex classes. Furthermore. Some of you want your pastors to teach you what your parents really should have been teaching you. And I'm going to go there. Some of you would want it, your Would it be fun, bro? Would it be fun if these things come from the parents? No, I'm not he, sure if it will. That's why bro. I said he used that parent example when I said parents should be getting in there because it's actually true. Bro, your, your pastor is not meant to be doing Mike Todd ministry for you. Is your, is your pastor meant to be doing, you know, dramatic preaching for you to understand how to say, bro, that's why you have your parents there. And if your parents haven't taught you, you can't then push the, the responsibility on your pastor. Like the church should tell us about this. No, some of what you're expecting the church to teach you, it was really your parents that should have been teaching you that kind of stuff. Because, you know, leaders shouldn't be abdicating the time on a Sunday to be going through Oh, this is this is the um th this is your sexual organs for a man. This is your sexual this is the sexual organs for a woman. And be on the screen will now be putting uh, the anatomy of a man and a woman. What do you expect? Do you understand? If anything, we can discuss these things more on platforms like this, right? Bro, this on is how what I was gonna say this is what right. I was gonna say. It's platform. I don't think it needs to be the pastor of the church, it could be, but I don't think it has to be. It could just be platforms like this. It could be YouTubers. It could be just, I don't know, youth leaders, ministers of whatever sort, whatever kind. I just think the conversations just need to be had. I don't think the onerous is on people with titles because I feel like we put too much on a pastor. We put way too much on a pastor. Like you said, it could come from parents. I genuinely don't think kids or people will listen to their parents because it doesn't come across as exciting or interesting, which is why people, Christians included, love a lot because it's entertaining, it's exciting. Um, I just don't think it necessarily needs to sit with the pastor. It can sit with anybody with a space, a platform, following, whatever it may be. Just something that encourages Christians to have the conversations. Do you know what I mean? But then I, I hear that in one sense, but then at the same time, I think that's added to this problem because if we're now saying Christians turn to who you see on Insta and whatever, there's bare people, bro, like there's bare people that I, I don't, you know, I'm married, but there's people that have muted 
that I've blocked because I don't even want to hear or see their rhetoric on relationships or love or how to navigate dating for Christians because in my opinion, they're talking rubbish. Like, they're genuinely mm. talking rubbish. And I think that it's very hard in this day and age to go kind of, yeah, you know, point people in the right direction, especially when there's so many people coming up, you know, trying to secure this Christian relationship bag or, you know, create a, create a relationship, Christian relationship platform. You don't know who's on what. So for me, yeah, for me, as a senior pastor of a church, my concern, I'm, my concern would be that if 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 some of my members come to me and go, could you point us to some some great Christian relationship experts? I would struggle to give some in the UK. In terms of examples, do you, do they absolutely. want experts, though, Eman. Do you think that these people want experts, bro? Not necessarily. Well, yeah, kind of. I don't, I don't think they want. I don't think they want relationship counselors. I genuinely don't think that, bro. I think does isn't someone but like they exist. They exist already. No one's going to them. You can get that. I don't think. Yeah, it's true. We were talking about Oloni before, right? Oloni um, um, is profiled as a, as a sex no. expert, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's so, not why people like no, her. No, they don't no, like no. her because of her credentials, bro. No. But it's the fact, it's not it, liking her about her credentials. Her credentials state that she, when you call yourself an expert, what you're saying is that you have credibility. And what is coming from your mouth or what you've got to say or advise people on it's credible enough because it works. You've advised people. You've you've had hours worth of whether training, teaching, whatever, or just sharing your sharing your your knowledge, and it's worked for several people. For me, I think in a Christian space, we do this thing of I'm not necessarily saying that everyone has to be titled an expert, but we've got people who have no real credibility, no real clout. It's just God told me that I need to set up a relationship page. Fine, fantastic. You've never been in a relationship in your life before. So the information you're giving to people, how is it exactly that you're doing it? Is it by revelation? How exactly yeah, are you giving one, yeah, I, I can't lie to you. That one is annoying. That one there is annoying for real. No, you're talking about you talk about you talk about marriage, you're not married. You're not married, right? The only information you have is of friends of yours that are married. I feel like we do this thing where especially in Christianity where we just allow people to just do this revelatory thing. Whereas if we have people that are actually, that can actually show that their information works, that one is script for believers. The metric should be, first of all, it should be, um, it should be biblically grounded. There should well, be. All, all comes down to pack, that all comes down to packaging and branding, not you, man. Because, like you, like you was alluding to, yeah, there are Christian experts who deal with this relationship team properly, but yeah. the people are not going to them. Maybe because of delivery, branding, packaging, it doesn't come across as entertaining or exciting. Listen, if say that again, Aura. Because the people that you're talking about are not salacious. They're not putting the stories on the timeline. Right, right. Because they're Christians. Yeah, and Aura made Aura made a great point, like. If you're expect, if Christians are expecting, you know, these people to act like Oloni, and this is not to drag Oloni or whatever, yeah. she's in her bag. But we judge up by as Christians, we judge ourselves by a different standard. If you're expecting Christians to be doing what she's doing and other, you know, uh, sex experts out there in the field, then we're deceiving ourselves. This is not to say that we should. There's a, you know, we should be doing it like, and this is not to mug deeper life, but we like we should be very sober and very. Mm, like long face and whatever. No, the point is that the information is there. The information that is to help you is out there. There are oh, people the, that it, are... The people delivering it though, bro, are not clearly up to these people's standard, which is why no one's going to these people. Bro, don't give excuses for the people. I think that as Christians, we have to be mature enough to go. The food is out there. It's just like people going, like, the truth is out there. You can't go, oh, because someone doesn't preach or someone doesn't do teaching like Mike Todd, bro, that no, I can't receive their word. No, you, you bro, I hear that, but you have to you have to take into account people's preaching styles, bro. You can preach the exact same thing, the exact right? same message as Mike Todd. Okay. Well, people might prefer you because you're more charismatic. People okay. might prefer you because of how you come across, because of you, your personality, your delivery, your style. I hear that, bro. But when you stand before even God, though, like, even bro. you in your own, even your own ministry, friends, yeah, yeah, you lot are very different in your own individual ways. Somebody might go to Eman because you're more relatable. Someone else might go to um, Oscar because of because of how he ministers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but at the end of the day, uh, when we stand before God, uh, are you gonna go? Oh well, because I didn't like someone's preaching delivery style. The point is, the truth is the truth, and so yes, 
everyone can grow in their delivery style. But if we're making this purity culture thing or talk about talking about sex and stuff like that, a matter of delivery, then I feel like we're missing the key point because purity culture was not about the delivery. Purity culture was about the content of the message. The content of the message was you have to behave a certain way. You have to do certain things. You have to, there's certain lifestyles and ways of life that reflect the pure nature of God in that should be reflected in relationships. It had nothing. It didn't really have anything to do with delivery. Um, what's relate, that name? Heather, to a person is important. Though. Bro, you can't, Heather, you can't bro, that. bro, Heather Lindsay is not a charismatic person yet. Thousands of women across the globe were listening to this woman. So I don't think it's no. uh, uh, listen. And, and Ore is here. Ore is here to Ore can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, she was not charismatic. She was not, oh, she was not the flyest preacher. But what she did, what she got, the reason why she had a big following that she has, I don't follow, I've, I've, I've never followed her, but I've always known that she's had a large following anytime I checked her page in the past because of her message. It's about the, it's really and truly, let's not get caught up on the semantics of the style of it. It's really about the content of the message. If you want wholeness. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that completely. I don't think it's only the style because Mike Todd is a perfect example. Okay. Mike Todd, Mike Todd is a, and the reason why I think Mike Todd is a perfect example is because he has this huge following, not only because of the word that he's preaching, because there are some people out there that can probably preach the same word as him, but 10 times better. But because of his engagement, how he packaged himself, his branding, all of that is A1, which is why he's been able to attract such a wide audience. If there's some people who preach amazing words, but they're not on Twitter, they're not on Instagram, or they don't, or they might be on there, but they don't know how to engage. Their customer service skills might not be amazing. Their marketing might not be amazing. All the stuff that they do in the background might not be good. I think it's just like any business, isn't it? And obviously, it's just like any sort of thing that we might do. You might be good at doing one thing, but if you're not able to, do, if you're not able to do the background stuff, it's going to be hard to reach a wider audience. Which is probably why Heather Lindsay done so well, or people that might talk. I have to agree with um, what Gavs are saying on this point, simply because I think Heather Lindsay, the reason she's done so well, it's, it's very complicated because it's not it's not a black and white thing. But I think it's a mixture of very very clever marketing tactics, like simple marketing, branding, etc. Like what Gabs was saying, but it's also a little bit of her um, her target audience, right? In in Heather Lindsay's case in particular, you have to think about it. her target audience is single women looking to be de- like looking today and looking to get married and all of that especially black single women who were already were already in the trenches as black women in the dating world we've talked about this several times in fact we talked about it last week so i think you know yeah but sis sis just to just to to challenge what you're saying how how did mark like yes she had a target audience but what was her marketing because i i like over the years i've been on her page several times three at least three posts two to three posts a day about being a vegan one post a day about her baby, another post bro, about see, her husband. Bro, that's that, exactly that in itself is deep, bro. That free, that free post a day is deep, you know. But, yeah, but, that's the, like, I think that she perpetuates like a particular like perfect Christian woman lifestyle that a lot of single women, black women, wanted to at that time emulate. In terms of oh, she's and she's very well put together. Say what you want about how whether she has fashion sense or whether she's paying etc. But in terms of her, the package that she puts, the way she portrays herself. The heels, the designer heels, the hair was perfectly laid, the makeup was done, she was very well put together. Her brand was veganism, being a stay-at-home mom, running multiple businesses with her three perfect little children. Like that is her literally her brand. That's how she packages herself. That's how she wants to appear to people. So that's why I think she's a unique case. Actually, I was about to cuss her. Let me just keep quiet. But yeah. I think hers, hers, hers is a very unique situation. Okay, but but it just go but it kind of goes back if if the church does it if the if the church doesn't talk about sex enough and whatever, how did these people man these people especially many of these people that were propagating the spirit culture message, how is it that we're saying that oh it's all about marketing and branding? These people did it and were able to push this message as well as they can, and now we're saying. Or now it, it seems that what more so maybe for, for what Gabs is saying is that it's a matter of branding packaging. These people that were pushing uh, purity culture, they, why, why is it that they, their message got so far then? 
So I, 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 who I'm they not... are, bro. We're, we're following who you are. We people buy into people, innit? I'll yeah. buy into you. Once I've bought into you, I'll listen to your. I'll listen to what you have to offer me. Okay. If so I why? So then, why are people complaining, then, bro? Why are people complaining about Puri culture? Bro, if... met, bro, we buy into the people, but the product is not producting the way it's supposed to product. That's that's the issue here. <laughs> it's like you, Iman. You, Iman. You've got a business, yeah. And now, I, bro, I even said to Sarah recently, if people people buy into you, the minute people buy into you, E-man, they'll buy whatever product you have to offer them. That's so, the same yeah. thing with ministry, bro. You be posting um Jip Jip every Sunday. This is contributed. You might not, you might disagree, but I can tell you now, this contributes to why people want to people follow you, E-man. It's not because you're preaching an amazing word. Now, no disrespect to the word, because your word is fire. But it's also because of you're so relatable. You reply to everyone's tweets, you give out content that's away from Christianity. You're showing drip. The kids love drip. So it's like, oh, E-man, 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 they cream your yash. And now they want to listen to you now. So now E-man can say, yeah, I'm really I'm doing a, a live um album launch for my church. Everyone's gonna be there, bro, because E-man is the drip king. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that bit. I'm looking at it from the context because obviously we've been talking about purity culture. And for me, I don't necessarily feel like like the the packaging of 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 purity culture, even the example of Heather Lindsay, I can't lie. Like for me, it was that that it, it, it's, it's absolutely cringe. But it was it was absolutely. If we're being very honest, even though she was able to reach uh, a target audience, yes, I, I I agree with the target audience that Aura spoke about. It's absolutely cringe. The marketing was not, it was not anything that this generation are looking for. However, however, there were a generation that received what she had to say, picked picked up on it and has run with it. Now they're complaining that the church doesn't talk about sex. And then the only people that they are looking to more time when it comes to sex are unbelievers. So because, are we just because saying it's because of marketing? No, bro. That's because of mar- it's marketing, engagement. It's everything, bro. If Mike Todd talks about sex, everyone's gonna listen. If John Piper talks about not, sex, not, people not are gonna re- switch off. Not reform people, bro. But anyway, we can't yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> oh, we, can't for, we can't. We can't speak for everyone. But if Mike Todd speaks on sex, you're gonna, bro. You can go on Twitter. Everyone's gonna be gas. But if John Piper comes and talks about it, or Matthew Stevenson comes and talks about it, he's not gonna have the same response, bro. If no, I, I okay, well, Matthew Stevenson. He probably leans more to how Mike Todd will address it, but I think the point—the point, irrespective of how it's done—is I think the, the the baseline that I'm trying to get at is yes, in this day and age, where how we receive and digest content is very important, and you have to be a bit more strategic as to how you do it. The my point is that the content doesn't change. The content. No, I, of bro, the I agree with that. I agree with that. You're saying the content is more important than the marketing and branding, I, which absolutely. I agree with. Because, because if we if we do this thing where what if I don't want someone to listen to this and go, oh yeah, like listen to those who've got their marketing and branding on point. Because you'll we'll be waiting for a long time. And if we're trying to because earlier you asked how are we gonna change the narrative? I can admit that right now, maybe people might not be on point with their branding and marketing, but people what people do need right now is a healthy biblical perspective on how to date. And we can't now be waiting and then saying, okay, the church doesn't not do it. There are people that are talking about it. You just may not want to listen to them because they're not, they don't churn out content the way you want them to, or they're not, it's not as flashy or it's not as nice. Well, but I there agree, are bro, people that are doing it. I just feel like that's bro, that's what I said earlier, yeah. There are people that are doing it, but they're just not getting a response. And it's probably because of marketing. I'm not saying only go to the people that have good marketing, but this is just the state of the generation and times that we're in, unfortunately. The people that are flourishing, doing well in various areas, including in the church, are the people that have nailed marketing, business, branding, and they've got their branding strategy on point. And this is why you can look at a Mike Todd. Everyone loves Mike Todd, and it's not because of the word. His word's good, by the way, but it's not just because of the word. <laughs> but okay, but if we're if we're now closing, right? If we're now closing, are we then? Uh, you say, okay, guys, give us a word now. Are we then? Sub, are we then submitting now? Like, what are we gonna say to the guys as a takeaway point? Because for me, I just feel like we just we we have to. Though yes, and I don't want anyone listening to this like to think that you know, branding or marketing is not important, but. As Christians, like it's not this, it's not the central part to the message. And if we don't in this dating in this dating context, 
with the nonsense that's going on and how terrible like it has become, if we don't get to the crux of the message, then we're gonna then we're gonna be like, oh well. So what did the real talk, real work guys talk about? What did they do? What what did those guys at that relationship conference really talk about then? Because the, for me, we have to get more to a bottom line. The bottom line is, guys, in terms of relationships, you've got to you've got to listen to stuff that will feed your soul and will be beneficial for you, whether it doesn't sound crisp or it doesn't sound nice or not. I may not like how. Uh, I may not like how maybe John Piper approaches the relationship message, but if what John Piper is saying is scripturally true, then I should take, I shouldn't throw the baby up with a bathwater, receive what he's got to say and use those things to help me learn how to navigate that space. So that even if, like I gave the example of, because I, I know a big conversation right now is whether Christians should be using dating apps. The conversation is so terrible because the people leading the conversation are bitter Christians who are just like, well, the church don't talk about it. Well, then reach out to people who can talk about this and they don't necessarily need to be experts, but they might just be Christians who are well-versed enough in this game and have experience on this and can talk about it as opposed to people who have had bitter experiences and go, well, my church don't talk about dating apps, but I'm going to lead the conversation. So what are you going to lead the people to? What are you leading the people to? Yes. Do you know what? I think I think the the next we should probably yeah the next episode we'll talk exactly about this sex thing. We'll break it down like we'll we'll digest exactly what you know people want to hear. You know we'll do that for the next episode. To okay. be fair, so if you're listening to this, yeah, listen, listen to the listen for the answers in the next episode. Wait, what right did now, I say? What did I say? I said, what do you mean we're gonna dissect? Di- what, what is dissected? That's <laughs> me. What's dissected? I don't even know. But clearly, obviously, this episode we've not actually spoken about sex. We spoke about a problem, innit? So at least next episode, let's give salute. Let's give the solution. This episode we've highlighted the problem for a long time, innit? So somebody might somebody might be listening, thinking, right? Oh, now you've not actually told her. You've not given us the conversation that we want. So I think, all right, cool. Well, next okay, episode, I, I, I get what you're saying. What Next episode, we'll give the conversation that the people want us to have. Right now, we're just highlighting the problem and possibly how to solve it. I do agree, Iman. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure I can even speak for Ore. We're not saying that you have to get your marketing. Well, I'm saying you have to get your marketing on point, actually. But I'm obviously, that's not the important thing. The most important thing is the content. It's just unfortunate that in order to get to reach a wider audience and to be received by many people of today is you kind of need to do well with the the background stuff the marketing the business be personable be a people's person unfortunately leaders ministers people with platforms businesses you just have to be that way in order to grasp an audience because once you have an audience you can tell them anything you can Mm. tell them a purity ring and they'll listen to you because they bought into your ministry because they've bought into you but if some people, I won't mention any names, but if some pastors said, oh, we're pre-ring, people will laugh at you because we don't even rock with you like that anyway. Mm. But, you yeah, know, but somebody, that, somebody that we look up to, it's like, yeah, you know, we'll follow you. That's why relationship experts are out there and they're Christians. They're fully out there. Relationship counsellors, they're all out there, but they're probably not getting the love that they deserve, probably because they're not personable or they're not lit or they're not in an in crowd or they're not cool, open club, close crowd, which is why we, and I'm not even bragging, we could do something called Clubhouse and everyone's there excited because, you know, they, they like how we engage with them and all that sort of stuff. But some other people might not be able to have that same sort of response. Do you know what I mean? Mm. but yeah. yeah let's let's close the episode um Iman, give us a scripture and whilst you're looking um all right give us give us the last words of grace um i'll just to conclude and wrap up where i stand on all of this because there was a lot in the last five ten minutes i do think that there is a place for um sex to be talked about in the church i really do and um I don't think that, and I and I can understand why people say the church isn't doing it enough. Depending on what church you go to or where you're from, I do think there is a place for the church to be discussing sex, and it and I don't think it needs to come from anyone with fancy branding, fancy marketing. I think that in and of itself, as much as it is true, um, we are consumers, but we're consumers out in the in the world as far as the church is concerned. We're not consumers of the church. It's not a business entity. It's to preach the gospel and that should be enough to engage us at our core to be there and to want to hear what's being preached. And if we don't, then we should all be reflecting ourselves personally and seeing why that is. And that's all I have to say on that matter. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Scripture. 
Yeah, sorry. Let me um I had the scripture up just now. Psalm <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man, how can a young woman keep their way pure by guarding it according to your word? I think the long and short, I'm not trying to do anything political today. The long and short as a believer is that anything that we want to do to navigate this this wild west right now, because it's becoming a wild it's become a wild west. And it's getting worse by the day. But anyway, by God's grace, it will change. But the point that I'm trying to make essentially is how can we guard our hearts? How can we guard our intentions and our behaviors in this wild west? It's by keeping it according to God's word. And there's enough in God's word. I know there's practical elements, but I think it starts with getting God's mind about certain things from the scriptures and then help use that to navigate how we go through our daily actions. Do you understand? So... You know, because people will argue, am I meant to kiss? Am I not meant to kiss? What does the Bible say about, you know, just being in a relationship or how you should treat one another, love one another? If you're, if you're, the partner says, okay, sorry, I don't want to kiss. I want to, you know, it, 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 I don't know. It makes me very hot. You have to, then scripture says, honor that person and respect that person. Obviously, I'm not saying if the Bible, if yeah, someone will spin this and say, okay, what about sex? Don't be very stupid. Don't be very silly. <laughs> Should I say? But yeah, the point I'm making is maybe I should have used the easier one. But yeah, the point essentially I'm making either way is that let the Bible guard or guide guard and guide our intentions so that we will know how to uh, judge how to make the right decisions in life. So I hope that answers your questions. But also from this, Sha, if you want to say anything, speak us, speak to us. Let us know what you're thinking because I know some people might have some some alternate views or some questions based on what we've said today. So, Shah, please reach out, ask us, and let us know what you're saying. Yeah, real talk, bro. And obviously, we're going to be recording uh, next week. We're going to be talking on on sex. We're going to try our best. We're going to try our best to have the conversation that people want us to have. If there's any questions you have regarding sex, by all means, throw them out there, ask us, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll obviously see if we can um, tackle it in the best way possible. Um, obviously, we were meant to kind of talk about it in this conversation. But yeah, this topic is clearly layered. Um, so that was literally just us talking about what the problem is. But yeah, next episode, we're going to try and have the conversation that people want to have. Or we're going to try and explore it a bit more. Um, yeah, hopefully we can all do some bit of market research to kind of see exactly what people want to hear. Because it's definitely an interesting topic. And if, if we can do our best to help the community, then then so be it. Um, but yeah guys thanks for listening really do appreciate it on to the next episode see ya